I got rice cooking in the microwave. I got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave. And it's a, a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. I'm feeling pretty good, and that's the truth. It's neither drink nor drug induced. No, I'm just doing all right. Time for talking music on KVNF. I'm joined today by Daryl Scott. Thank you so much for making time to sit down and chat with me. Absolutely, like talking about music. Good, that makes two of us. Mm-hmm. You've been on quite the little roundabout journey. Uh, any highlights from the road? I know you were in, you were here in Colorado in what was that? July. You were in Ridgeway playing a yeah. picking in the park. Early been... July, like first week. Right. You know, right after the Ridgeway gig, the next night was. Uh, Opening for the Avett Brothers at Red Rocks. Amazing. And that was a highlight just because of the, the sound and the scene. I've never heard sound quite like that. It just feels like it's all around you. And like I, I'm in the sound as opposed to the producer of the sound, so to speak. So uh, I, I can't explain it, but that's what it was like. I'm hearing things that I don't normally hear and reacting to them. I'm a reactionary musician. And uh, so the sound in it was, the best word might be inspiring. It's kind of a highlight, not just of the summer, but, you know, in a way of the career in terms of, you know, places played and inspiration and things like that. It felt like I was stepping into um, almost sacred space type stuff. Yeah, I was going to say it almost sounds like a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of was. I mean, I was there. I didn't, like, float over Red Rocks or anything, but the music certainly floated. That I did notice, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Daryl. I really appreciate it. absolutely. Daryl, I want to take it back a little bit. I know you are from a musical family. Will you talk to me a little bit about your aha moment, how you found your unique way to to singing and writing songs? Well, both of those would have come later uh, along the journey. But the real aha was, um, let's see, I was about four years old. Really hadn't started playing yet. My dad had a an old Gibson guitar. It was a Saturday afternoon. We were in northern Indiana. The whole family was outside because it was a nice summer day. And I was the only one in the house. And then there was that Gibson guitar. And so I went over to the Gibson guitar. And even though I didn't know how to play, and it was missing a couple of strings kind of thing. But what I did was put it to my ear. Uh, so at the shoulder of the guitar, kind of, mm-hmm. and put my ear directly onto the wood. And I didn't know how to play, but i just make a note. And then the magic coming through that box was the aha moment. I knew that there was like, you know, kind of magic in there. There's a sound here. And again, it was my ear on the guitar as opposed to, you know, away from it or that kind of deal. It was literally vibrating through my own head, I suppose. I can't forget that experience of hearing the vibration of the guitar through the wood. Absolutely. And very much in your body, it sounds like as well, just a very visceral response. Yeah, Yeah, it was. It surprised me. I mean, I remember it, you know, to this day. uh, And I kind of touched on back to it because, you know, that's really one of the drawing powers to me is, is whatever that mystery thing is about what sound is, let alone harmony or... uh, you know, disharmony or suspension and and all the other parts that music 
is full of, you know, and then bring in poetry through song and bring in, you know, arrangement and, you know, bring in an audience and all that stuff, all sorts of things go compounded. But I'm not sure that it actually gets much different than what I found at four years old. Do you ever find yourself wanting to return to that stage, just you and the guitar, you know, just nestled in the neck of the guitar? Yeah, I do it uh, often. Mostly, uh, you know, on my own. It's a very private thing to do. Again, that's where we talk about the PA systems are there, public address, to, I guess, blast out to an audience type of deal. But, you know, I try to treat even uh, playing at, you know, Red Rocks as... uh, and I know I'm there in front of an audience. I don't. I don't forget that. I'm. I'm. I'm very clear on that. But I also feel that the best way to communicate to you know eight thousand people at Red Rocks is to kind of hone in to myself, much like the four-year-old did with that guitar. And then everything seems to be okay if that's my general. That's where I'm headed. If things are really rolling like they ought to be, it really kind of comes more from that four-year-old than the guy that has learned licks and had accolades, this and that, whatever. With all that in mind, I would love to start off the show with a song. What should we play first, Daryl? Let's do some stuff from uh, my last CD. No, I did not say 8-track. I said CD. And uh, (laughs) uh, it's called Horoso. And Horoso is a town in southern Colorado, sort of central-ish, maybe a little bit on the east side. And there's a an old adobe church there that a friend of mine named uh, Mark Dudrow owns. And he had me over there for a concert, and we had about a week to prepare, meaning an, an audience, you know, so we just had, it was word of mouth. And there was no PA, and we recorded. Mm. And that's what this whole record is. So it's almost like a field recording of the old folk type of thing where you just put up some mics where you are. So for you techies out there, we had four microphones, a stereo pair over the audience, all 40 or 50 people, a mic on whatever instrument I had in my hands, all acoustic, and then a mic on my voice. Those were our four tracks. So you'll hear that in this recording, but it's a song called Colorado. Colorado, I need healing from the sorrow I've been Feeling uh-huh. Give me your souls With healing hands The misunderstood Surely they will understand It takes a goddess touch To reach a godless man Get him back to believing. Give me a small town mayor who should be dead. But he trades in old guitars and art instead. Well, he brought the fish and I brought the bread. And he says, miracles still happen. Oh, Colorado, I need healing from this sorrow I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. 
coyote walks through the light of day and he hides behind a rock like he had plans to stay and I never did know just what he meant to say but I can tell you I was listening and there was Pedro Full of Friday paint and rattlesnake dreams. Well, he shed his marbles and I shed my cheeks. And his steady eyes were glistening. And I heard an uplifting sound in a downtown park playing his own tunes. On an Irish heart And he played with just one hand As the August sky grew dark The other hand was for a lover Yeah, Colorado I need healing from this sorrow Colorado. Colorado. 
when we just heard Colorado from Horoso, Daryl Scott's most recent album. Daryl, you were just talking about what sounded like an incredibly intimate recording session for this album. What a special moment to connect with those 40 or 50 people on a really, really genuine and personal level. Yeah, that seemed to be the thing to do. First of all, it, it was a former church. So, you know, it's not like I was giving a sermon, but they were certainly a congregation. You can hear, you know, uh, chairs creaking, you know, but almost like those classical concerts where we hear live stuff or jazz shows where you, you know, hear bottles being thrown into the trash and stuff. And to me, that makes intimate recording. I mean, that's what it is. So why are we acting like, you know, we need to be in a soundproof booth? Uh, And I like soundproof booth recordings, too, for different reasons. But yeah, you can hear the people singing on on this uh, this Colorado thing. Yeah, and that's what it was. I thought we were successful at capturing an intimate uh, little gig in Haroso. I like the way you said it better than what I said. <laughs> you know, because a lot of folks have asked me, "Is that Jaroso or or no? It's Yaroso." Some would say, and uh, I always thought it was Haroso. But you, you rolling those R's sounded yeah. just right. Do that again. <laughs> Means my Spanish. Oh man, I don't know if Haroso. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, that sounds better than mine. <laughs> those those 10 years of Spanish amounted to something, I'm glad oh, to good. know. <laughs> 10 years, a long time. It was a long time. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. I think there's a really beautiful thing in just embracing imperfection as well. Just Absolutely. Well, in my world, you have to. I mean, uh, perfection went out my door, out the window decades ago. Perfection... You, um, I wouldn't call it meaningless, but it's closer to meaningless than accidental mm. and things that just you know pop out of nowhere. Improvisational, reactionary. I like all that because uh, it's in real time, but it's also honest, uh, and it's not this you know prepared statement you know that I read perfectly, and that I you know I think music is alive and moving thing, not just moving of uh, emotions, but moving. It'll be different night to night. Hmm. And I learned that decades ago. So I do not even attempt to make a perfection. Perfection is boring by comparison. It's the surprise that's coming next that it has my interest uh, on stage or off for that matter. But certainly on stage, I'm waiting for the next accident to happen. Yeah, I love that. And like you say, when you're performing night after night, it means that every experience gets to be slightly unique, right? Absolutely. You're not just cookie cutter going no. in and getting up on stage and doing your thing and getting out. You're open to what might come to you in that totally, moment. Totally, totally. Uh, because otherwise, I wouldn't feel as connected to the music, and I want to feel connected. I'm, I'm part of this too. Yeah, nicely said, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Let's take a listen to something else. What should we hear next? Well, let's see. Should we jump around or stay in Hiroso Land? Let's jump around. Okay, so here's the deal. In 2020, during that lockdown where musicians couldn't go out and work and waitresses and theater people and all sorts of gig economy, I I learned a new word in 2020 called gig economy. So none of us could go out and make our living, right? But since I couldn't go tour, I released two records that year. One was called Daryl Scott Sings the Blues of Hank Williams, and the other one was the one we talked about earlier, the Horoso. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, the first one that came out was April of that year. I always loved Hank Williams. I grew up on Hank. My dad was a Hank freak. And I always thought uh, Hank could handle very much a blues thing. I mean, in many ways, it was it was blues already. But um, 
anyway, that's what we'll play next is the, the first song off of uh, this uh, Hank Williams kind of record called My Sweet Love Ain't Around. It's the first track on the, on the CD. Listen to
we just heard my sweet love ain't around from Daryl Scott sings the blues of Hank Williams. What was your approach to putting your own particular spin or sound on such a, such a renowned musician's body of work? Right. Number one was to not do all the obvious things, Mm. the obvious songs. Sure. So it's not your cheating heart and I'm so lonesome I could cry, but I love those things. But because I grew up on Hank Catalog, because of my dad, I knew the whole body mm. of work, basically. Uh, and it was choosing things that I thought could handle a blues uh, approach, like my version of blues, not like blues in, maybe in anyone else's uh, vernacular, but in my vernacular, which, and what's that mean? That means a distorted amplifier, so uh, just some old funky ratty amp, and that's what I used. Another one is B3, and so uh, on that song and through the whole record, there's a, a great B3 player. So when uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan was a power trio, guitar, bass, and drums, for years, uh, when they added a keyboard player, they added this guy named Reese Winans. And Reese is who's on my record, the B3. So he comes by that same vernacular very you know clearly. And the, the album is worth hearing just to hear Reese because Reese is one of those guys. And um, the drummer was uh, someone I'd played with for two years with Robert Plant in the Band of Joy, uh, Marco Giovino, a Boston guy. And so this was during a time where I could send tapes, you know, or not tapes, but uh, through the Internet. You can send somebody a track, they'll play to it, and then send you back the thing, and then we, we put it together and all that. So none of us sat in the same room ever. And uh, the bass player, my friend uh, Danny Thompson, uh, English bass player, upright guy, I send it to him. He was the final cat. And that was it, the, the four of us. Was it a surreal experience never to have played in the same space as those folks all at the same time? You know, I thought it was going to be. Mm. I, as a matter of fact, I would have thought Roots Music needed to have everybody sit in the same room, uh, breathing the same air, smoking the same cigarettes, and drinking the same whiskey. But the, the fact is... Great musicians can transport themselves to that original vibe. To me, that's the power of the music mind, is the, uh, the ability to be able to overdub to something that was done at a former time. And what a cool possibility that I feel like that just opens up a lot of doors for future collaborations. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, that was a surprise. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Can we take another listen to something else off that? Yeah, let's record? listen to this. Uh, this is a pretty... Uh, interesting one. It's called Men with Broken Hearts. And Hank wrote this as a recitation. It was, and uh, old country music used to have a lot of recitations. And they usually would kind of land in a sort of theater almost kind of way. They would mm. be almost melodramatic. They would be, um, I wouldn't call it preaching, but they were trying to give a message. And there's a message in this song too. And so Hank doesn't sing this, he, he speaks it. And so that's what I did too. Um, and, uh, there's another little side story when Hank had a whole record of these recitation type songs back in whenever this was probably early fifties, maybe late forties, the label, which was MGM said, we're not going to put that out cause it's not, you know, what people expect out of Hank Williams. So you need to go into another name. So he came up or somebody came up with the name Luke, the drifter. Hmm. So uh, Hank made a whole album called Luke the Drifter, almost as a, you know, uh, another entity. But they were all these 
cool songs, very uh, almost theatrical uh, recitations, like, you know, almost preaching in a way. And so that's, that's where I got this uh, Men with Broken Hearts. Also, one little side note. Um, in a recitation like this, the instrumentation or the melody or the chords behind it are usually pretty unimportant. What's important is the recitation coming across. And what we did on this was uh, I kind of retooled the, uh, the national anthem. Uh, and so uh, for those listening real closely out there, you'll hear Oh Say Can You See in the background. Uh, and I thought that was an appropriate sort of bed, music bed for uh, this Hank lyric uh, called Men With Broken Hearts. Daryl Scott, thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Music. We appreciate you very, Absolutely. very much. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. You'll meet many just like me upon life's busy street with shoulders stooped and heads bowed low and eyes that stare in defeat for souls that live within the past where sorrow plays all parts for a living death is all that's left for men with broken hearts You have no right to be the judge, to criticize and condemn. Just think, but for the grace of God, it would be you instead of him. One careless step, a thoughtless deed, and then the misery starts. And to those who weep, death comes cheap. These men with broken hearts. Humble you should be when they come passing by, for it is written that the greatest of men never get too big to cry. Some lose faith in love and life when sorrow shoots her darts, and with hope all gone, they walk alone. These men broken hearts you've never walked in that man's shoes or saw things through his eyes or stood and watched with helpless hands while the heart inside you died some were paupers some were kings some were masters of the arts but in their shame they're all the same these men with broken hearts. Life sometimes can be so cruel that a heart will pray for death. God, why must these living dead know pain with every breath? So help your brother along the road, no matter where he starts. For the God that made you made them too. These men with broken hearts. 